for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. Thank you. Well, good morning. Um, Are you enjoying the weather? We're just about to talk about a storm. (laughs) Okay, if you want to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 27... Just to change the tempo just a little bit. Um, maybe we could, uh, just for a moment, dim the lights. I don't know if someone could dim, just dim the lights. And we'll just have the, just a reminder in case you've forgotten. What amazed me was when I looked on the internet for some sounds like that was that you can get about 10 hours worth of sounds like that to help you relax. (laughs) I was was shocked, thank you. I was was shocked that um, you would want to listen to something like that in order to relax and also to um, help you do your work was another thing. So there we go. Maybe you're one of those people. Uh, I don't know, so I'd better be careful, hadn't I? But um, I, I, I love a good, good storm. I don't know about you. And I, I can remember I grew up in the country and um, being out in the country and the sense of a storm there was so much different to what it is in the town. The sense of the drama of it. It's, the sky is black. You haven't got the lighting of the town to kind of, you know, sort of take the edge off it, as it were. You're out there in the blackness. In fact, I do remember on one occasion... Uh, being at home, uh, living at home where we are now, and I'd walk down the garden in the, in the dark of the night, and it was a dark night, and I don't know whether the street lamps were up or, off or what, but there wasn't much in the way of any light um, around, and I walked down the garden, and I can't remember the reason, and I walked down the garden to do whatever I had to do, and then I came up, and I didn't take a torch with me, and uh, you know, your, your eyes adjust to the, to the light, don't they, and you begin to see, and and just as I was walking back up the garden, suddenly there was this almighty flash of light and immediately the most thunderous sound you could have possibly heard. Talk about, you know, sort of shake me. Talk about make me sort of feel like I was jumping out of my skin. I mean, it was just like, whoa, that must be extremely close. But I love a good storm. And uh, the old uh, preacher, Charles Spurgeon, he used to love storms because they reminded him of the power of God. 
And so when you, you're there in that storm and you, you see the electricity being demonstrated, you hear the thunder, and, uh, but a storm at sea, I'm not sure that I would want to be there. And uh, this morning's message is, is based right there. If you want to go in your Bibles to Acts chapter 27, Acts 27 is one of the most exciting narratives in the whole of the book. It's full of drama, describing with great detail a ship in the midst of a violent storm. Uh, Then the loss of control and subsequently the running aground uh, far from where they intended to be. Now when I began to prep for this message, I kind of began in the normal way looking at the scripture, looking at its context, looking at what was taking place. In other words, I I began, if you like, in the traditional place. And and the fact that God is sovereign, his purposes, his protection, his provision, his deliverance, which are all in there and all good. And we all want to know that when we're in the storm. But I I found myself kind of getting nowhere. The more I, I looked at it and tried to come at it from the traditional angle, the more I found out I wasn't getting anywhere. It's like, yeah, I could do all of that, but it seemed as if the Spirit was saying, that's not the place to go with what I want you to share this morning. And then there are moments, you know, there are moments when we engage with God and we engage with our responsibilities and we have a preformed idea. And I think the problem was I was stuck in a preformed idea about how I should look at this particular passage of Scripture, partly because we'd already given it the title shipwrecked but safe. And that kind of sounds good, doesn't it? I want to know if I'm shipwrecked, I'm still safe. You do as well. Uh, We all want to know if that happens to us, we are safe. And we want to know that God is in control, etc. But uh, So I was in that kind of mode. And sometimes when you're in that mode, God can't get to you. God can't speak to you because you've set the parameters for his speaking to you already. In other words, this is what this passage is all about, isn't it? Therefore, we start there and we work our way through it. Well, when that happens to me, sometimes I find God comes to me in the most unlikely moments. So one day I was driving the car on a journey to somewhere with Pam. And suddenly, while I'm on this journey, I find, as it were, the Holy Spirit just speaking and just beginning to come to me in a different way about this particular passage. And so I found, as I began to just just relax into this, I found the Holy Spirit sort of giving me this question. Where is the Holy Spirit in the storm? Where is the Holy Spirit in the storm? And as I thought about it, that gave it a totally different twist. Uh, Our focus tends to be on the people and on the unfolding events. But where is the Spirit in the storm? After all, isn't the book of Acts all about the activity of the Holy Spirit? So we come to this story and we immediately look at what Paul and his companions and, and the, the soldiers and so on, and we look at the ship and we, we begin to just look at that and we get taken up with it. And uh, so we begin to focus on all of those things and they, they have their place certainly with, in the story. But where is the Holy Spirit in the storm? Frequently when we think about the gifts and the ministries of the Holy Spirit, we, we think of the more spectacular We think of things that we've been looking at over the last several weeks, indeed months, things of of prophecy and tongues and and miracles, all very right and and all very good. But there's another side to the work of the Holy Spirit that we do need to remember, and that is the Spirit in the ordinary or the Spirit in the storms of life. 
Because I want to know when I hit those storms, I'm not out there on my own. And you too. I want to know that he is with me. And I want to know how to connect with him in the storm. Because that's the secret of this passage. It's how Paul connects with the Spirit in the storm. Frequently, so we think in that kind of way. But the Spirit works in the ordinary. He works also in the storms of life. If you're in the midst of the storm at the moment, let me encourage you, he is with you. He is with you in the middle of that storm. Sounds like a bit of a storm going on at the moment, or one attempting to happen. Storms come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. There could be turbulence in a relationship, in your marriage. It could be the loss of a job. It could be bad news from the doctor. It could be, dare I mention it, Brexit. It can be a whole host of things that can suddenly come into the realm of our lives and cause disturbance, cause a sense of loss of peace, cause a sense where we wonder where we're going. Okay, right, John. Okay, so storms can have... uh, can manifest themselves in different ways. They can be short and blow over in no time at all. Or they can seem to have no end. And you might be in a storm like that at the moment where it just seems as though you you go to bed every night and it's like that. You wake up, you go to bed hoping it's going to be better tomorrow and you wake up in the next morning. Thank you very much. Change over. And you, you wake up the next morning hoping it's going to be gone and actually, it's still there. It's still raging. The wind is blowing. The, the, the rain is coming down. Uh, the noise is there. And you just wish it would go away. Storms. Being a Christian doesn't make us immune from the storm. And whoever we are, wherever we are, we can be sure that we will enter one at some point or other if you're not already in one. question is, how will we respond to the storm? How will we navigate the storm? So here we are in Acts chapter 27 where Paul finds himself in a storm, a big one. And actually this part of the story begins in chapter 21 verses 26 to 40 where Paul was attacked by a mob in the temple who tried to kill him and he was subsequently arrested and then following his appeal to Caesar because he was a Roman citizen, he was put on a boat heading uh, for Rome. And to begin with, all was well, and then things began to go wrong. There was a storm, big time, serious business. They end up adrift, they end up 14 days just free on the ocean, not knowing where they're going. Let's have a look at it, and let's just read it just for a moment and catch something of the drama. When the time came, we set sail for Italy, and Paul and several other prisoners were placed in the custody of a Roman officer named Julius, a captain of the Imperial Regiment. Starchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was also with us. Would I be better with the hand one? Okay, 
So when the time came, we set sail for Italy, and Paul and several other prisoners were placed in the custody of a Roman officer named Julius, a captain of the Imperial Regiment. And Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was also with us. And the us, of course, is reference to Luke, who's writing here. We left on a ship whose home port was Andromitium on the northwest coast of the province of Asia. And it was scheduled to make several stops at ports along the coast of the province. And the next day when we docked at Sidon, Julius was very kind to Paul and let him go ashore to visit with friends so they could provide for his needs. Putting out to sea from there, we encountered strong headwinds that made it difficult to keep the ship on course. So we sailed north of Cyprus between the island and the mainland, keeping to the open sea. We passed along the coasts of Cilicia and Pamphylia, landing at Myra in the province of Lycia. And there the commanding officer found an Egyptian ship from Alexandria that was bound for Italy, and he put us on board. We had several days of slow sailing, and after great difficulty, we finally neared Cnidus. But the wind was against us, and so we sailed across to Crete and along the sheltered coast of the island, past the Cape of Salmone. And we struggled along the coast with great difficulty and finally arrived at Fair Havens near the town of Lassia. We had lost a lot of time, and the weather was becoming dangerous for sea travel because it was so late in the fall. And Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. Men, he said, I believe there's trouble ahead. If we go on, shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. And since Fair Havens was an exposed harbor, a poor place to spend the winter, most of the crew wanted to go on to Phoenix, farther up the coast, uh, farther up the coast of Crete, and spend the winter there. Phoenix was a, a good harbor with only a southwest and northwest exposure. When a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. So they pulled up the anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. But the weather changed abruptly and a wind of typhoon strength called a northeaster burst across the island and blew us out to sea. And the sailors couldn't stop the ship in, in, couldn't turn the ship into the wind. So they gave up and let it run before the gale. We sailed along and sheltered side, the sheltered side of a small island called, called, named Calder, where with great difficulty we hoisted aboard the lifeboat being towed behind us. Then the sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it. They were afraid of being driven across to the sandbars of Sirtis off the African coast, and so they lowered the sea anchor to slow the ship down and were driven before the wind." The next day, as gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. And the following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. This is a desperate situation. Very, very desperate indeed. They're in a storm, a big storm. They can no longer see the, the stars. That's essential for sailors to navigate. They have no idea where they're going. This is desperate indeed. And so all hope is gone. No one had eaten for a long time, verse 21. And finally Paul called the crew together and he said, Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You, should have avo- you would have avoided all of this damage and loss. But take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. And he said, 
Don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. And what's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So, take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. About midnight on the 14th night of the storm, as we were being driven across the Sea of Adria, the sailors sensed land was near, and they dropped a weighted line and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A little later, they measured again and found it 90 feet deep. And at this rate, they were afraid we would soon be driven against the rocks along the shore. And so they threw out four anchors from the back of the ship and prayed for daylight. Then the sailors tried to abandon the ship. They lowered the lifeboat as though they were going to put out anchors from the front of the ship. But Paul said to the commanding officer and the soldiers, you will all die unless the sailors stay aboard. And so the soldiers cut the ropes to the lifeboat and let it drift away. Wow. Just as day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to eat. You have been so worried about, so worried that you haven't touched food for two weeks, he said. Please eat something now for your own good, for not a hair of your head will perish. Then he took some bread, gave thanks to God before them all, and he broke a piece off and ate it. And then everyone was encouraged and began to eat. All 276 of us who were on board, after eating, the crew lightened the ship further, throwing the cargo of wheat overboard. And when morning dawned, they didn't recognize the coastland, but they saw a bay with a beach and wondered if they could get to shore by running the ship aground. So they cut off the anchors and left them in the sea. Then they lowered the rudders, raised the foresail, and headed towards the shore. But they hit a shoal and ran the ship aground too soon. And the bow of the ship struck fast, and while the stern was repeatedly smashed by the force of the waves and began to break apart. The soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners and make sure that they didn't swim ashore and escape. But the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul, so he didn't let them carry out their plan. Then he ordered all who could swim to jump overboard first and make for land. The others held onto the planks or debris from the broken ship, and so everyone escaped safely to shore. And once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. Quite a drama. Whoa, yes. I bet there was some relief in the camp on the part of everyone there. Soldiers, Paul, the sailors, everybody. And you can see something of the journey on the map that they had taken. And as they sat out intending to, 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 you know, to get to Rome, and suddenly they hit that point and bad winds and just heeding wrong advice. Wrong advice can lead you in the wrong direction, can't it? Wrong advice can lead you in the wrong direction. And the thing about wrong advice is it can sound very good. And Paul said, if, you know, that's not good. This is what you need to hear, but they wouldn't hear him. They stuck by the, the, the wisdom of the earth, as it were. Earthly wisdom, as James would put it. And as a result, they were plunged into this horrendous storm. So there we are. They couldn't see the stars. Hope was gone. Uh, bad decisions uh, led to wrong uh, action. And uh, sometimes you and I can be the victims of that, people's bad decisions affecting our own lives. But even then, we realize when we look at the story that God is sovereign and he secures Paul and his companions and he, he brings them safely to shore. Now, one of the things that we need to be aware of in a storm is the danger of being absorbed by the storm. 
That's a, a very real danger in any storm that we enter into. Become, to become so aware of the storm that we lose our sense of where God is and what his purposes are. And it may be that's been the case for you. It may be that it is the case for you. You've been caught up in a storm for whatever reason. And some, may it have been one that suddenly crept up on you. It may have been one that suddenly blew in one day with some news that you had. But there's a storm. And you can become so absorbed in the storm that you lose the sense of God and of his purposes. You, you, you become solely aware of the earthly reality and no longer aware of the heavenly reality. And we're going to touch a little bit on that later on. So, here we are. Paul, Luke, in a storm. Driven, shipwrecked, and on an island. Safe. Where was the Spirit in the storm? Where was the Spirit in the storm? We want to know. You want to know. I want to know. Where is the Spirit when the storm envelops me? Where is he? And there's a very simple answer to that. He is with Paul. He is with you. He is with Paul. He is with Luke. He is with you. Maybe you're, you just need to hear that at the moment. In the storm that you are experiencing. Just to be still. Just to realize the presence of God. The Spirit is with you. The Spirit is with you. That marriage difficulty, that family situation, that crisis at work, the Spirit is with you. He's with you. As Paul said, we are temples of the Holy Spirit. He's come to dwell in us. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you on your own. I'm going to send one just like me to be with you. To be with you. He's not going to be somebody who's here today and gone tomorrow. He's going to be your helper. and He's going to be right there in every circumstance of life. He doesn't come and go. But we can. Nurture his presence. We can nurture his presence. You see, the Holy Spirit is a person. And Paul was a man who walked with God. You know, if you walk with God, the storm won't catch you out. doesn't mean it won't be horrendous, but it won't catch you out. And when you look at this passage... The storm did not catch Paul out. And the reason for that was he knew that God was with him. The Spirit was with him. And the reason for that was Paul lived in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He nurtured that relationship. And we know that he was one who in constantly exhorting others to be filled with the Spirit, he himself always sought the fullness of the Holy Spirit. 
every day and in every way. Paul was a man who wanted to be filled with the Spirit of God. Seeking his fullness. And he was one who listened for his voice. And you see that there in that passage, he was aware of the presence of the Spirit and of the voice of the Spirit. That enabled him to to speak into the situation with wisdom from above, even though they may have rejected it. Again, that didn't put him off. He still stayed close to God. And he was still listening so that ultimately an angel comes and reveals to him God's purpose. So we listen for his voice. It may be that in the middle of your storm, you've become more aware of the voices of your own mind and the agenda of those around you rather than the voice of God. And you just need to be still. To allow the Holy Spirit just to fill you. To nurture that relationship with Him. Seek His fullness. Spirit of God, come and fill my life in this situation. Come and fill my life in this situation. I want you more than ever. I need you more than ever. And listening for his voice, because I can guarantee that he will speak. I've been through many storms. And God has kept and God has spoken. Praise his name. God spoke in the storm. The storm doesn't mean that God is not there. He is there. He is with you. The storm doesn't mean that God cannot speak. He can and he will. If you will just turn off. Re, re, do you remember those old radios? I'm beginning to show my age now. Uh, in a digital age where you just press buttons and you get the radio station you want. But do you remember those radios that had a, a knob that you turned? Yeah, and a dial that went up and down, you know, and here is the news from, you know, and and then a little bit French and a little bit of something else, and a little bit, and eventually you hit the radio station that you wanted. If you're a young person, that might have been Radio Luxembourg, for those of you who remember, <laughs> or Radio Caroline. Yes, we are showing our age. <laughs> okay, but the, that can be like life. And the storm, and all, all we're getting is the crackle, 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 the noise of, of the storm, the noise of the enemy, where he wants to drop fearful thoughts into our hearts and minds. And we need to learn to tune out of the storm and tune into the presence of God and the voice of the Holy Spirit. And God spoke, and his answer would mean deliverance, not only for Paul and for Luke, but for all who were sailing on the ship. Another question that I found that God putting on my heart in this situation with regard to this chapter is, what are the kingdom realities? That's a good question to ask in whatever we are experiencing in our lives. Whatever the storm is that is going on, what are the kingdom realities? Because we are kingdom people, aren't we? Yes? We are kingdom people, aren't we? Yes. Yes, we are people of the kingdom. Jesus is our king and he has a kingdom. We have been translated out of darkness so we're no longer under the domain of, of Satan and his, his lies and, and so on. We are, we are in his kingdom, Jesus' kingdom. 
a kingdom of righteousness and joy and peace in the Holy Spirit, a kingdom that is full of hope and purpose and destiny, etc. So what are the kingdom realities in this particular story that we're looking at here? What are the kingdom realities when you hit the storm? And number one, God is sovereign. He is still on his throne. Amen? It's good to remind ourselves of that. And you need to do it in your circumstances at this moment. God is on his throne. Jesus reigns. Hallelujah. I am a son. You're a daughter of the king. Amen? And we need to remind ourselves of that. So God is sovereign. God is with you. God is for you. Amen. Can't, I don't think we can drive this home enough that God is 110% for us. Amen. You know, those songs that we were singing earlier about God's blessing and favor and grace and mercy. I was just reading the other day about, um, you know, how someone used this expression, God is in a good mood. Now, it's not my kind of language, but I, I thought about that and I thought, actually, I, I quite like that because Prior to knowing Jesus, I was in trouble. Prior to knowing Jesus, you were in trouble. We had sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We were under God's judgment. We were facing his wrath. And we sang about that in that song, In Christ Alone. But God has looked favorably upon us in Jesus. Amen? And, and because Jesus has died and paid the price for all our sin, God is in a good mood. You don't sound too enthusiastic about that, do you? God is in a good mood towards us. He feels good towards us. And he will never feel in any other way because we are now his children. We are fully justified in Jesus, brought into that position where we are just as if we had never sinned. Woo! Yes, that's something to get excited about, isn't it? Yes, at least one person agrees. It's something good to get excited about. God feels good towards me this morning. God feels good towards you this morning because of Jesus. Not because of you, but because of Jesus. It's Jesus that's changed everything in the way that God feels about you today. So God is looking at you and he feels good. Wonderful, isn't it? Absolutely wonderful. And so that's something else that we need to remember in the midst of the storm, that not only is he sovereign, not only is he with us, he is also for us. Because he came for us in Jesus. Therefore, he is on our case. He is in our story. Hallelujah. Say this, he is in my story. Say this, Jesus, you are in my story. Jesus, you are my king. Yes. And that Another reality is that he is still working. Praise God. The devil will come along and suggest, oh, God's given up on you. Your case has run out. God doesn't know what to do next. That's what I don't like about openness theology. God is trying to work it out. He's waiting for you to make the next move, and then he'll decide what he can do. Oh, our God is bigger than that. He knows the end from the beginning, doesn't he? So God is still working. So in the midst of your storm, God is still at work. He has not stopped working. He is still working. And he wants to work. And believe it or not, he has something to say and he wants to use you. The two remaining points there. He has something to say and he wants to use you. And you've been praying, Lord, deliver me because you thought it was all about you. 
But actually, it's all about the world around you. It's about you demonstrating kingdom realities. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to live different to the rest of the world. So, how can the kingdom come? How can the kingdom come? By recognizing his presence and resting in him. We've had some of that this morning, haven't we? By just recognizing his presence and resting in him. We live too fast at times. And we need to learn to be still. We need to learn to be still. Like the psalmist said, be still. Know that I am God. Just learn to rest. A lot of us are just go-getters. Even our prayer lives, which is a place to go get, but there is a place just to be still in God's presence. Just to know him. Just to say, Father, it's just so good to be with you this morning. Just so good to stop in the midst of this busy life, in the midst of this storm, and know you. And just enjoy you. Just enjoy God. Do you ever take time to enjoy him? So by recognizing his presence and resting in him. By asking, how can the kingdom come here? How can the kingdom come in this situation in which I, want to find my, in which I find myself? In this storm, in this experience that I'm going through at this moment in time. I've been looking at it from a, a personally, a very selfish point of view. I just want to get out of here. But how can the kingdom be demonstrated in this storm? That's a challenge. How can the kingdom be demonstrated in the storm in which you find yourself? In that marriage situation, in that family situation, in that work situation, in that news from the doctor, how can the kingdom in some way be revealed? It's a good question to ask, and it'll help you, help us to think about life differently. What is God wanting to do here? What is God wanting to say? And so we come to the next thing, which is just listening to his voice. How can the kingdom come? And that is by listening to his voice. That's come through more than once again. That's deliberate. Tuning out of the opinions of this world, tuning out of the events of this world, and tuning in to the voice of God, tuning out of the voice of our own mind and our own fears and our own prejudices, tuning in to the voice of God, listening to him, saying, Father, what are you saying? How do you want me to speak in this situation? How do you want me to act? What do you want me to do? No idea what the time is. <laughs> right. So there you have it. 
Where is the spirit in the stool? He's with Paul. Where is the spirit in your storm? He is with you. Say, the spirit is with me. Spirit of God, you are with me. Just say that. Be aware of the kingdom realities. Be aware of kingdom purposes. Let's just stand, shall we?